Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. Small steps, you know, start doing that show, start doing the, the, the open mic, start doing the, the little stuff because you can't really get to the next step without doing that. So take those small steps, uh, have faith in yourself and don't uh, pack it in if it doesn't happen right away. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Very excited about the one today, part two with Fraser Smith. If you haven't listened to part one, check it out. This guy is really, really special and a person who is dearly loved within the comedy industry and one of the biggest supporters of young talent and people in every level of the business. Before I get started, I just want to thank you guys so much again for all of the support. It means a lot. For those of you first-time listeners, thank you for coming. And those long-time listeners, thanks for subscribing, listening, and passing it on. As always, you can reach me at Barry Katz at Instagram or Twitter, and I will always figure out a way to respond to you. Just be patient. As I always like to do, I like to talk about my guest before we start this part two and give you some insight into what I feel about this person and how it relates to the podcast. And when I think about Frazier Smith, I think about a guy who seemingly had a thought in his mind from an early age of what he wanted to do. He wanted to be in the entertainment business. He wanted to be in radio. And he gave everything he had to it early on, which landed him jobs in his hometown of Detroit. And then when he went to California, he trained, he'd put in the work, he'd done the time. So that when he had his interviews and he got in the door to meet with people, he knew what to say, he knew what they wanted to hear, and he gave them everything he had. And then when he finally got in the door, and was hired, he did the same thing. 
with tenacity and diligence. He created a different way to listen to radio, and he was a groundbreaking presence. And it didn't take him long to be number one in the L.A. market for six years in a row. But not only that, a great stand-up comic with great relationships with so many comedians who call him all the time to work concerts all over the world. People like Tim Allen and Dr. Ken Jung. There are so many people that this guy works with you can't even imagine it's a list of everybody in show business i don't think there's any comedian in the world that this guy hasn't worked with not only that but he's a guy who's done significant television work and film and a lot of things have gone right for this guy but a lot of things have gone wrong for him he's a guy who's been fired when he was at the top of his game then he had to go to different gigs, lesser gigs, to get back on his footing. Then he became a regular again on another radio network. And then he got his ass kicked again. And then he came back again and again and again. And today he has one of the most unique, special, and enterprising shows in Los Angeles, the Fraser Smith Show on KLOS on Sunday nights. And it's a must-listen for anybody in the business and anybody outside of the business. It has a little bit of everything, which is what Frasier is all about. So let me tell you something. If you have a vision of what you want to do and you go for it and you give it everything you have, and if you go forward and even if you get your ass handed to you, you're always going to be able to bounce back with a positive attitude great relationships and having a no asshole policy when it comes to any area of your life in business or in your personal life. And I can guarantee you, if you can follow these simple steps, you'll definitely have the possibility of having the kind of career that Frazier Smith has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and Seaman. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in showbiz and you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Uh, undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. All right. I want to go way, 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 way back. Here we go. Take me through where you're born, where you grew up, what the dynamic was of your family, and what was the first inspiration to get in the radio business from that point when you're growing up. Well, you know, I, I was, uh, uh, I grew up in the Detroit area. I was a huge Motown fan. Uh, that was my big inspiration for showbiz initially. It was I love Motown, and um, you know, and I think I wanted to be a singer at that point. Um, and uh, th what got me going in in the showbiz thing, my dad and uh, his best buddy, who was a neighbor, used to love the Steve Allen show. That's how far back I go, and they would come out. They watch it all the time over at at our place. And just howl with laughter. And I remember watching it, and I would howl with laughter. I loved the Honeymooners, and I loved um, Steve Allen. And uh, 
and all the characters that would come on that show because he had a lot of uh, regular characters on there. So I think that was my initial thing. Um, and then, you know, growing up in Detroit, we had really good radio. And, you know, that I was a big Soupy Sales fan. He was a local TV guy. For those of you who don't know, Before he Soupy went to New York, was a big star. He became very big on a show called To Tell the Truth. And we had um, a lot of uh, great radio uh, hosts in Detroit. It was kind of a good market for radio. And so that's where I got into it. And FM radio was just kind of just starting up when I was, uh, you know, heading off to college. FM was just starting so you're in high school. Do you take an internship in one of these places? Um, no, I really, I, uh, I didn't do that, uh, you know, but I, in college, I, I um, got into a radio station. Where did you go to college? I went to Western Michigan. I took communications, which is such a vague field. And uh, Tim Allen was in my classes. So you went to school with Tim Allen. With Tim Allen, yeah. Now, were you friends with him back then? Yeah, a little bit. We didn't know him real well. We were friends. But, uh, you know, now we're buddies. And uh, we had a good teacher. This guy uh, had worked at ABC Television for, you know, 15 years or something as a director. So he really knew show business. So I think that was an inspiration. I've heard Tim talk about him, too. His name is Thomas Pagel. And uh, he ran his class like it was a real show, like it was a real network. And everything was, uh, you know, had to be by the book and uh, pretty pretty good teacher. So back then, was Tim just a guy in the class or did you hang out, have drinks together? Or? You know, we I'd see him at parties and stuff. And did you know what he wanted to do? Uh, I don't know if he did. I don't think, you know, at that point... Uh, I don't know if he was really thinking what what he was going to do for sure, but I think he later got into that because he got into stand-up because there was a little scene starting up in Detroit, and uh, it was a fellow named Mark Ridley, and Mark Ridley is like the king of Detroit comedy, and he had this club called The Castle, The Comedy Castle, and you know I think Tim was one of the first guys on there, Dave Coulier, you know... Um, uh, Joe Napoti, some of the Detroit guys got their start there. And uh, I think that's where Tim kind of got the bug. Did you ever go to the comedy club when you were in college? Uh, no, I don't think I did. So you're at the college radio, radio show. show. You have your own radio show. I have a radio show on the, at the college, and then I also got one professionally in town. How would you do that? Well, I, I went and applied for it and told them I had a job at the college station. How old are you? I'm 18. 18. You have a show at the college radio station from when to when? Well, I was on day? every night overnight. So you're there from midnight to Till 6 a.m.? Yeah. Which How was, do you do well in school? I didn't. I didn't do well at school. I, I you know, I, my classes started suffering, but I was enjoying doing the radio. And then I took this other job on the weekends at a station called WYYY. Okay, so you apply to a job. You see in the newspaper that yep. there's a job. Yep. And they're looking for what? Looking for a DJ, and they wanted a, what week, a weekend DJ, afternoon drive, weekends. Or I guess it was, was it afternoon or maybe it was evening? I don't remember. So you're 18 years old. You go for an interview. Yeah. In fact, I think it had to be afternoon because I think they went off the air at 6 o'clock. You know, it was like what they call it. I think they call them a daytimer where they're just on during the day. Back in the day, they had those. You've never interviewed for a job in your life. 
you're 18, you have no money, nothing going on except for this late night show in a college which probably six people are listening to at the time. Seven, Barry. You know, I, I went in and just talked it up and I probably lied a little and said, you know, that I had more experience than I did. Uh, but, I, you know, uh, the guy just, I don't know what it was. He was like, all right, we're going to give you a shot. And I had to do everything at that station. I had to, you know, it's one of those things where you have to, like, check the transmitter, you know, do sports, do news, do play the music, uh, take care of the logs, sweep up the parking lot. I mean, you know, you're doing everything. Tell our audience about the interview. What do you remember? I don't remember much. I, I just, you know, I think I probably overplayed uh, what was happening on, on the college station. Did they tell you you got the gig in the room? Uh, called me the next day, and I went ballistic. You know, so, when you're 18, you go ballistic. So now you got the overnight gig, and now you got a weekend gig, so you're working probably 50 hours a week, and it's your freshman year in college. Yeah. Yeah. Did you drop out of college? No, I kept going. Took me like five years to get out, but I I kept going. So you start the show, the afternoon show, and do you become a celebrity in your in? Yeah, I was a celeb, and and uh, and that's what gets on you know gets under your skin. You're like, wow, now I'm I'm hooked on this stuff. So the first radio book comes out for this new station. What happens? Did pretty good. What does the program director say to you? Well. Uh, they always want to keep a lid on it so you won't ask for more money. <laughs> you know, So I don't know if he said a whole lot. but How uh, much money were you making an hour back then? Oh, gosh. At that place, oh, probably, I don't know, $8 an hour or something, <laughs> $10 an hour. I don't know what it was. It was back in the 70s. Were your parents 70s. proud of you? Uh, no. No. My dad, um, he's a doctor. You know, he thinks, what are you doing? You know, both my brothers did really well. Uh, one's a doctor and one works for NASA. And then there's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working, you know, at a radio station overnight. But uh, that is, you go where your passion goes, right? All right. So how do you know things start taking off there? What happens? Well, you know, you get a buzz going in the, in the town. You know, you get a buzz and then, um, you know, and then, and then you get a little bit of... Uh, Notoriety, and then you move on to the next market. I moved on and worked in Detroit, and I worked there for a couple years. Yeah. So you went back to your hometown in Detroit. How did you get that gig? Uh, I got that gig from tapes from this other thing. You know, you would take the tapes, just like you do now. You edit them, give them your best stuff, give them your greatest hits, and then, you know, hopefully somebody goes for it. So when you go to your next gig in Detroit, you have to leave the college radio station, and you have to leave the other radio station. Yeah. And so you move on to this next gig. Was the money greater? Oh, yeah. You always get more money. You know, and and uh, I remember I had the guys on from the Firesign Theater as guests. And I was always a big Firesign Theater fan. So they came on my show and they go, hey, you're pretty good, man. You ought to go to L.A. You know, they were, whatever, impressed at what I was doing. And so they go, you ought to go to L.A. You could You could crack it. You know, so uh, as soon as the semester was over, I, you know, jumped in the car and headed out here. But you had a gig in Detroit. Yeah, I know. But, you know, again, you had a contract, my goal, uh, I think contract may have been coming to an end or I don't even remember how that went down. But I just know that I, I bailed shortly 
after that. Without a job, you just leave the yeah, job. Yeah, I just left. I just left. How much money do you have in your pocket when you're coming to L.A.? And do you drive or do you take a I bus? Drove, I drove with my buddy. Uh, he was a football player. And uh, he was coming out here to... I can't remember what he was trying to do, why he even came out here. But he wanted to come out here, so we we, uh, we just hopped in his van and took off. And um, I didn't have much money. I didn't have much money, but I had friends out here. And I hung out with my friends out here and stayed at their place. And, you know, um, I got a job pretty quickly out here. At, How did that happen? At K-Rock. Uh, K-Rock is the number one station in L.A. How do you get a job there? Well, they weren't really uh, the biggest then. They were kind of tiny because um, they hadn't gotten to their big level of network. Uh, you know, they, they hadn't been sold yet. They were an independent station. And uh, when I got here, so I, I had the guys from Firesign Theater kind of vouch for me. We went on the air together and did a show called Hollywood Night Shift. And um, then that got really popular. And then the uh, K-Rock hired me to be uh, a regular DJ. What were the hours of that gig? Friday and Saturday night, party show, 7 to midnight. And that's where I really blew up. And a lot of it had to do with music, too, because the um, uh, music scene was changing from you know traditional classic rock to punk rock and new wave, which was just starting to come in. And uh, I remember my first night on the job, I met uh, Blondie, uh, Tom Petty, uh, who else? Uh, a couple of the Ramones. They were all on Rodney Bingenheimer's show. And Rodney Bingenheimer, uh, maybe you've seen that documentary, The Mayor of the Sunset Strip. He is responsible for starting so many big bands. He's just a musical wizard. And, uh, you know, Rodney says, uh, well, you ought to play these guys, play some of these guys. And we could play what we wanted back then, which is very rare. So uh, I started playing all the stuff that Rodney was telling me to play. And it just went through the roof because people were looking for something fresh. And we had this tiny little station because it was before K-Rock got big. They were tiny. They were in a little dress shop in Pasadena because they were waiting to try to sell the, the format. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm going through the roof. You know, I was, it was like a viral thing before there was viral. How do you know? Because everyone in town was uh, talking about me. I went to a party, and, and Johnny Carson was there, and he goes, I hear Fraser Smith is here. You know, it was one of those things, those underground things where everyone knew your name, they don't know what you look like. It's kind of like American Graffiti where they go to see Wolfman. You know, nobody knows what he looks like. And uh, they think he's a black guy and it's, it's Wolfman. And, you know, it's, um, I don't know uh, how it really happened. I think it was just a convergence of, you know, the music scene changing and the L.A. market looking for something different. So how did you parlay that into the next thing? Why didn't K-Rock come to you and say, hey, listen, well, they we're going to give they, you more? They actually wanted me to do mornings uh, there. and You didn't want that? I didn't want to do mornings there because at the time, they didn't have any money. So uh, they were later sold in, for millions, you know. But... Um, at that time, I just didn't want to, you know, I was already getting very low dollars for doing Friday and Saturday night. I didn't want to get up every day at, you know, three to get no, no money. What were you making an hour then? I don't remember, but I, but it wasn't much. And um, But what was great was it put me on the map. 
and um, we had some issues too there uh, uh, with with management, you know, because um, I had done an article uh, in LA Magazine, a big article. They did a big article on me, and uh, the guy asked me some questions. And I hope you're not going to do this, Barry, off the record. <laughs> After our interview, he put his tape recorder away, and then all those comments wound up in the interview, and that sunk me, and I got fired. What were the comments? Well, I just said basically was saying that um, he said, he goes, uh, you guys are number one. We le- leapfrogged over all the big corporate stations. We went from worst to first, last place to first place. Amazing. It never happens. And uh, beating all these big corporate giants, we had this tiny little station. It was like a movie. And, um, you know, uh, but the guy says, well, it looks really disorganized here. Like, you know, there's hardly any, uh, you're not playing any commercials. You you know, this is the uh, reporter. So I started talking off the record. I go, well, I go, you know, it's kind of like... you know, a, a football team that, that loses on purpose so they can get a good draft pick. I go, they're trying to, you know, uh, keep fly really low and, and, you know, so that they can make a sale and they're kind of screwing over the DJs. And I said stuff like this that wound up in the article and wound up getting me fired. When the article came out, did you call the guy and say, what did you do to me? Well, I, and he called me and he goes, you're done. And I and I was shocked because I thought it was going to be a big boost to my career. This the article. guy who wrote the article said, "Oh no, done. the guy, the article guy, I never saw again." And so the program director calls you and says, "You're done." Yeah. Yeah. What was the line that upset him the most in the article? I don't know. Probably be calling them rookies. <laughs> they didn't really want to hear that. So you get fired there. Then what's the next step? Uh, well, I I kind of didn't know what to do, and then did I got he a- spread rumors about you too? No, not really. Uh, I don't know. But but uh, I got a call from KLOS. And uh, the guy says, we've been trying to find you, and uh, we'd like to hire you. So I you know, came in and, and took that job. And What was the job? The job in the morning show that, that led to all that you know, success for me. And they gave you a nice raise to do that. I got a nice raise. Got some good money, or decent money for the era. For that and era. that's when you start blowing up there. Start blowing up there. How soon before you become number one in the mornings? Didn't take too long. You know, within a year. And how soon after that did you call your old boss at K-Rock and say, go fuck yourself? Never did that. Wanted to. Never Never run did. into him? You know, I did one time at a comedy club, and he was very gracious. You know, to tell you the truth... I was wrong on that article. You know, as a kid, you don't know that there is no such thing as off the record. Because I was young. I was in my 20s. I was like, yeah, you know, I got a big article. Great. You know, you don't think that uh, that article could hurt you. One of the number one rules I tell my two boys, 13 and 14, this is a weird one, but I say this all the time. Never talk in a public restroom. That's good good advice, and it's also true just in general. Don't talk in the hallway or, you know, at the club or at, you know what I mean? Because there's always somebody listening, and you never know who, and you can say the wrong thing. And I've also learned in, in uh, articles to be more guarded, you know, so, like in this interview. So you build and build and build, and as we talked about... Then you get fired there with the renegotiation. So you've had two 
massive hits <laughs> against you in six years. Yeah. And how do you figure out a way to psychologically deal with yourself that? up and come back or were you always the guy that was oblivious to it you know no i think it uh hits you pretty hard and you're trying to figure out uh okay what do i do next and um fortunately i got that job on kmet which was good and then i landed uh probably the best thing i've ever had in my career which was called rock in america uh nbc syndicated uh and um I landed that because they had a negotiation issue with their host, and they'd been on for a season. And uh, I get this call out of the blue, you've been recommended, we'd like to see you, but you have to get down here now. They had offices in uh, the Capitol Records building. And so I had to run down there. This is television. Yeah, I run. This down. is what you've been dreaming of. This is what I've been dreaming of. This is what you've been wanting your whole life, and you get a call, and you have no preparation, no warning, and this is you the got to get down here life. now. I get down there. They go. They were kind of in a crunch. It's always about timing, right? They had to make a move. So, all right, all right, you got it. You never got a screen. Never test. had a screen test. You got it. So we've done some research on you. We like you. You got the job. You did your own deal. Yeah, they wanted to sign me. They were like, "We want to sign you, and you, we, we want to sign you now." And we don't, and you know, so I'm sure it wasn't the best. But um, I love that show. How many shows a year did you do? With we that? did two seasons, twenty six shows total on network television, and then then KMT, the radio station I was on then, which was a huge station at that time. They were the biggest rocker in the West Coast. Uh, simulcast the show because it was a video show with interstitial clips of comedy. So, uh, the, so they played it on on KMT. So I had this network show and it was playing in Los Angeles on the radio. Simulcast. I don't even know if that's ever been done before or after. Wow. And did you have famous guests? Yeah, we would have guests on there. We would have. Um, Who was your biggest guest you ever had on there? I don't know if I remember the biggest guest. I remember one guy that I really liked having on was uh, Fee Wable, the singer from The Tubes, and he is a riot and a super cool dude. I just remember he was my favorite guest on there. And so that goes for two years. That has pretty good ratings, but what happens? Well, that was a weird one because the ratings were good. Um, well, they uh, back in those days, they were... Um, Owned, it, they had their own sponsor. If you were a, um, a syndicated show, part of the reason you could get on the air is because you brought a sponsor to the table. And they had Stroh's Beer was their sponsor. And I don't even know, I don't think Stroh's Beer is even on the West Coast anymore. I was from Detroit, which were where Stroh's originated, so I was familiar with, with the product. And uh, you're very familiar. But I, um, at some point... They started getting heat from Mothers Against Drunk Driving because it's a video show sponsored by a beer company. 
So they started putting heat on them, which, hey, I'm in favor of Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I mean, you know, I did, I've done a lot of work for them, actually. So on uh, the one hand, I was like, okay with it. On the other hand, there goes our sponsor. And it, it happened at the last minute, just as we were about to start season three, and they didn't have time to get another sponsor. They were frantically trying to get one because it was on them to get their own sponsor. And they couldn't come up with one, and we're off the air. So what's the next step? Uh, the next step was, um, <clears throat> you know, I just kept doing uh, my KMT radio show and uh, getting more into the stand-up. But didn't that mm-hmm. end and you went to a station, I think it was KLXX? KLXX, excuse me, KLSX. Why did you leave the other one to go to? Well, KMT ended, and all of a sudden they decided to flip their format to uh, what is now the WAVE which was insane to us because we had the biggest rocker out there, and all of a sudden they go to this kind of elevator music format, and uh, all of us were out of work. But uh, it turns out a a guy was a big fan of mine, was the general manager at KLSX. So he hired me almost immediately. So I wasn't out of work hardly any time I get hired over there. And uh, that was a great station. What were you doing there? Later had Howard Stern in the morning. Later, um, they had me doing uh, weekend shows. I was doing uh, uh, Friday and Saturday night. And then I believe wasn't that much longer when you got the call from a network again to do a hosting gig, right? Was it TBS? Uh, yes, I did a thing for TBS, and um, that was called Night Tracks. And Night Tracks was, uh, you know, a big shot for me. It was in 500 markets. Um, you know, no, again, a video show. But then where you would do interstitial comedy. So you could make jokes and stuff, and then you go into the videos. Did you negotiate that deal yourself, too? Uh, I think I did. Yeah. It's incredible. I think I did. Weren't you on for like eight years? I was on there for a long time. Yeah. How many shows a year did they do? Well, they did a weekly show. So... But part of the reason I got the gig was I wasn't going to price myself out. It was one of those, you know, and it was a steady thing. So I knew I could, I I didn't want to blow that by over negotiating. How did that end? That ended when they decided to go with younger hosts. I had been doing it with a a woman named Cynthia Fox, who was also a DJ in LA. And and, uh, uh, then they started to go to a, a, you know, um, younger music, and so they wanted younger hosts. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business, I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. 
So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I've talked a lot about AquaTrue on this show, the amazing water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler in your home that purifies the water in a way that no one else has ever figured out how to do. It's this incredibly efficient piece of equipment and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your tap water in it, and it takes out all the bad chemicals and gives you the best and healthiest water you can ever imagine, saving you thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store. I have one at my house and office, and everyone who uses it orders one, and you should too. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, and if you act now, you can get $100 off and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had, and never waste another dollar buying bottled water again. I just want to share another groundbreaking product with you. It's a revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates. And I'm talking about the air doctor. The air inside our home can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. But with the air doctor, you don't have to worry about it as it removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses and so many other contaminants that circulate throughout our homes. Till now, the only thing that could come close to this product were systems that cost thousands of dollars. But now you can get the Air Doctor for a fraction of the cost, normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your home. I'm telling you, I have this product. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. I was talking to my sons the other day, again, 13 and 14, and they were showing me the iTunes charts, the top 100, and... What blew me away was that I don't even think there was one rock and roll song in the top 100. Well, that is the thing. And if you if you watch the Grammys today or, uh, you know, uh, any of the award shows for music, you see very little rock on there. And it really has kind of, uh, I guess, taken a backseat to uh, to rap and to, uh, you know, country and to almost every other format at this point. Um, it's kind of sad as a as a rocker to see that there still are some good young bands coming up. You know, there's this band Greta Van Fleet that everybody compares to Led Zeppelin. They're great. There's a band from Long Beach called Rival Sons. They're really good. There are some good young bands coming up in the rock uh, genre, but basically, yeah, they that's not as not as big as it was. Did you see that coming? I really didn't, and I still think it could have a big revival. You know, KLOS right now, uh, I'm just thankful to be here. This is a great station, 
and I'm so thankful to be back at home. It just feels like I'm back home. Uh, really enjoying it now. I have a great boss now, and uh, his name is Keith Cunningham, and they are doing well. They're doing really well. How can they be doing well? When well, they're doing well. Isn't... They're doing well under those conditions. In other words, they have kind of spiced up their format, updated it a little bit, and um, and it seems to be working. It's not working maybe like it did back in the day when the ratings were just off the charts, huge. But it's it's really it's coming up. And how did this show come about again? I was out uh, doing stand-up out in Pechanga and, uh, you know, the casino out east of here. And I, so I was at the Pechanga Casino doing a week out there, and I get a call, and it's the program director at KLOS, the current program director, and he goes, hey, we've been talking about it. I think we might want to hire you. And who was here 11 to 3? What were they doing? Well, I don't remember what they had going on. I don't know what they had going on, but um, I... Uh, the next week I had to work in Vegas. I was at the Laugh Factory in Vegas. And I remember I had uh, I had to fly back in and go over to the meeting here and then fly back to Vegas and do the two shows that night because I wanted to make sure I landed this job. One, two, Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names. Okay. I want you to tell me what comes to your mind. Could be a sentence, could be a story, could be a word or two or whatever it is. Sure. Norm McDonald. Uh, perhaps my all-time favorite. Uh, I know recently he's had some uh, little faux pas there, but, you know, to me, the, the funniest guy of all. And I've known him a long time, and... Uh, I like him personally, too. He's he's super good guy and just always funny to me. George Lopez. You know, a good friend. Um, I, if I dare say so, I think I helped him get started, really, because uh, a friend brought me his uh, cassette tape uh, way back in the 80s and said, you got to start playing this guy in your show He or have him on your show. He's really going to be good. And I, I took a liking to his material and delivery. Then we became good buddies. I was the best man in his wedding, which I th still think he may hold against me. Uh, <laughs> but we became really good friends, and I just knew he was going to make it big. Dennis Miller. You know, another guy that I work for, uh, I was the warm-up on his show at KNBC. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's happened with his politics there, uh, but uh, I always admired him as a stand-up comic. I thought he was one of the most brilliant stand-ups with his writing and delivery and and we've always gotten along well robin williams well a genius you know uh also originally i think from detroit if i'm not mistaken and uh a genius performer obviously uh who became a really good actor too you know but his stand-up was uh beyond good and uh, a wonderful guy uh, you know i didn't know him really well but every time i met him he was great to me Dr. Ken Jung. Kenny Jung uh, and I are like best friends, and uh, he's a genius performer as well. Um, you know, he's just blown up as an actor. And I met him early when he was doing stand-up, when we became buddies. And uh, I got him into the Laugh Factory here in town, I remember, helping him get in there. And uh, we just were friends. You know, and now we're still really good friends, and I am just really couldn't be happier for his big success. 
Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel, I think, is a amazing host. Uh, I'm a big fan of his uh, and his show, and I think that uh, he's just a, a really funny, naturally funny guy, and uh, I, I like his uh, I like his show. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. is a genius. Uh, I'm calling everyone a genius, but they pretty much all are. Uh, He is, everyone knows, is an amazing actor. And I had the pleasure of doing a a pilot, a a talk show pilot, with him as the guest. And I was impressed with him. He's just super sharp. And he uh, was very nice and gracious to all of us, even though the shoot went long and it was behind schedule. And, you know, he was just cool about the whole thing. So I was impressed with that. Mark Marin. Mark Marin, another super smart guy. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of his. And uh, I've known Mark for a long time, too. He was a doorman at the comedy store back in the day when I first met him. Um, and he's been really nice to me. He put me on his uh, Marin show, uh, you know, uh, along with Jim Ladd. And so that, that was the idea was the old school radio guys versus podcasters. That was the uh, the episode. And uh, he also had me on a couple of uh, times on his uh, WTF show. So, yeah, I like Mark Marin. David Lee Roth. Uh Another old friend, uh, he, uh, I think, was one of the best front men ever in rock and roll. You know, just his uh, ability to, his athletic ability, his, his, the way he ran around the stage, uh, all of his, you know, his martial arts moves. Uh, he was an electrifying performer, and I'm a huge Van Halen fan, especially of that era. Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper uh, is another friend who, uh, you know, Johnny Carson said he was the best guest of all the rockers. And it's because he's smart and he's super funny. And he's from Detroit. We connected a long time back. Uh, We get along very well, and I'm a huge fan of Cooper. The entertainment business and religious faith. Well, you know, uh, I think we all need uh, a little boost, a little help. Uh, in this business, a tough business, you know, and uh, I, I'm a, a person of faith because I really believe that uh, without the help uh, from God, it's hard to do anything. <laughs> you know, I always feel like I need extra help. Wayne Gretzky and Gordie Howe. Well, I had a Wayne Gretzky, Gordie Howe. Uh, those are my two heroes because I'm a hockey fan. And I'm a, coming from Detroit, I'm a Red Wing fan, so I always loved Gordie Howe. And I was invited when I was a, the morning guy, uh, I was invited to a, uh, a charity event at Chasen's. Remember Chasen's? Of course. It's a famous restaurant where all the stars went. And I got sat between Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky, my two heroes. And it was just the greatest moment of my life. And uh, Gordie Howe actually tried to give me a hot foot. I smell something, something, and I look down, and my shoe's on fire. And he lit my shoe on fire with him. I don't know what he did, but that was Gordie Howe. He was like a prankster. <laughs> and, and Gretzky was the most awesome guy ever, awesome. But then he says to me, he, 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 uh, he goes, hey, uh, you're a DJ, right? And I go, yeah. And at that time, he was before he met his wife, he was dating this uh, singer from Canada. And she was like the new, the next Anne Marie or something. So he had her. 
he goes, uh, hey, could you play my girlfriend's uh, record? I go, uh, yeah. You know, I just, I mean, it's the great one. What are you going to say? And then he handed me a 45. He actually had a 45 with him. And so I just didn't play it. It wasn't rock. I couldn't play it. My boss would clobber me. So uh, I get this call on the hotline. I forgot I gave him the number. He calls me and he goes, hey, man, you didn't play my my girlfriend's record so i had to play it and i got about halfway through it and i got a call from my boss and he goes i don't know what that is that you're playing he goes but if you don't take it off right now you are fired (laughs) and i go well it's wayne gretzky it's a great one he goes i don't give a shit take it off now (laughs) so andrew dice clay you know my old buddy oh dice and i are buddies uh I've always loved him. You know, we're, we're, we're good friends. I've known him for a long time, too. And I remember seeing him for the first time at the comedy store Westwood. They had a Westwood comedy store. And Dice was down there, and uh, somebody said, hey, watch this guy. And he came on, and he, had, he was really thin, and he had his leather jacket. And it, the first five minutes, he didn't say a word. He just kept uh, uh, trying to light his cigarette you know, behind his head and everything. And, and it was just like, oh, wow, this guy has got confidence. He uh, he can just stand at the, on stage for five minutes, and not say anything. So I was always impressed with that. Uh, we become good friends, and uh, uh, I'm a fan. Rodney Dangerfield, my all-time favorite, uh, my hero. Uh, I said Gretzky was my hero, but in show business, Rodney is. And uh, I got to uh, meet him several times. I got to work with him at Laugh Factory. He would come in on Friday night to try out his new material at age. 80 and he comes shuffling in and and uh you know uh, he could barely get get up on stage and the crowd would give him a standing o and i was the host and uh i still remember him saying to me one day hey kid are you writing those jokes yourself i kind of like those jokes (laughs) you know he gave me a compliment on my jokes so i thought that was a great and uh i learned something from rodney you know, he could barely get through his 15 minutes when he was doing that stuff at the Laugh Factory. But then they uh, they had uh, hired him to do a, um, an event where they were paying him 50 grand to do 45 minutes. And uh, he showed up. He was a completely different looking guy. He had the blue suit on, the red tie. He just put the hammer down for 45 minutes and destroyed. And I go, wow, you know, when the money's on the line, the old pro shows up. That's the lesson I learned from Rodney. Your proudest moment in show business? Proudest moment in show business, I would say, would be being asked to be on this podcast. I mean, it is the number three podcast, and that's pretty good. Your second proudest moment. Oh, my second proudest. I would say, honestly, probably uh, getting, having um, the Rock in America show on NBC and simulcast on on KMET, because at that time, KMET was a huge station. So that's probably the highest I've been on the food chain. Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level? Well, I guess it would also be this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, probably be, you know, getting getting fired uh, any of those times I got fired. You know, they're just devastating moments because you feel like you're on a roll and all of a sudden you're not. And, um, you know, then you, what do you do? You know, you're kind of, uh, everybody's looking at you funny, including your family and everybody. And um, what you kind of have to do is just suck it up and go. You know, uh, I don't think there's really any formula other than that. And just really try to, 
keep your strength and, and keep moving. You're in the comedy clubs a lot throughout the years. You've met an incredible amount of talented people from the Far East to the Mitch Hedbergs to the Richard Jennies. The list goes on and on and on of people that we've lost. How do you, as probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the world, how do you handle it when you see a guy spiraling out of control? He knows that you know what he's doing. How do you navigate that world? Well, you try to uh, give helpful advice and encouragement, you know, but sometimes they're not in a position to want to hear that. Uh, sometimes, especially from a friend, you know, but you that's what you try to do. You know, you try to give them whatever guidance you can and uh, and hope that they uh, receive it. You know, that's the hard part is you can you can, you know, give them whatever advice you have, but they have to pick up on it. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Last question. What advice do you have for the young person growing up in a town somewhere in the world who has some inspirations here and there, but knows what they want to do, but maybe doesn't always know the right thing to do, how to do it, how to put it together? How do they get to the point where they have the confidence to just go for things the way you did? And secondly, you've seen a lot of people in radio go up, go down. You've seen a lot of people in comedy go up and down. What's your advice for the performer as well to get to the next level? Well, I, I really think, Barry, it um, boils down to a couple things. Uh, one is stamina. What I mean is you have to be willing to be in for the marathon and not the uh, sprint. You have to be mentally aware that that's what it is. You're going to be uh, – very rarely do things happen quickly. Sometimes they do. We've all seen it. But uh, – and that can be a mistake too because then a year later you're, you're out of the game if you're not prepared. So I think uh, it's, it's realizing that it's a marathon and that you have to uh, be willing to donate that kind of time. And if it happens quicker, then thank God. But if it doesn't, you know, you're going to have to be able to hang in there in the trenches. And I think the other thing is what you always tell me, and that is uh, small steps, you know. Start doing that show. Start doing the, the, the open mic. Start doing the, the little stuff because you can't really get to the next step without doing that. So take those small steps. Uh, have faith in yourself. And don't uh, pack it in if it doesn't happen right away. Frazier Smith, long time coming. This has been awesome. You're really a tremendous guest, and you're, again, one of the treasures of this comedy business in L.A. and the radio business, and everybody loves you. There isn't anyone who I've ever heard say a bad word about you. Well, apparently you haven't talked to Rick Dees lately. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I even said good things about Rick. He's my buddy. All right, well, listen, thank you for that, and I'll tell you what, I can see why your podcast is number three. <laughs> it is one of the best I've ever been on. And I've only been on a couple. <laughs> but, no, thank you, Barry. I really appreciate it. And, and if I may say about you, uh, you, not only do you have a sensibility that is uh, rare to be able to spot talent. You really can spot talent. You've got a great eye for it. Uh, look at all the big stars that you have discovered. 
but I also think you know how to nurture talent and bring them along. And uh, you're a really good guy, and you know how to uh, take a young artist and give them some encouragement and and keep them in the game until they have a chance to blossom. Thanks, man. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, and one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on Nicking, February 15, 2018. Heading reads, great show, five stars. And the comment is, wonderful interview with Heather McDonald. Keep the female comedians a-coming. I appreciate the feedback. It means a lot. You are a winner. And that wraps up part two of our podcast I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Wondery. Check out their lineup of some of the greatest podcasts in the world at Wondery.com. And Aquatrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code BEAR and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life and instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And Good Company, an extraordinary web series on YouTube that host Scott Bowling created where you can watch music interviews with incredible artists talking openly about their journey in the music business. If you like a great in-depth music interview where you can hear about each album in chronological order and what the artist experienced along the way, this is the show for you. Interviews with incredible talents like Michael Sweet from Striper, Clinton Lejean from Seven Dust, Brian Head Welsh from Corn, Elias from Nonpoint, Mikey from Islander, Sonny from POD, and Rich Ward from Fozzy and Stuck Mojo, just to name a few. Check out Good Company on any social media outlet under Good Company with Bowling or go to www.scottgoodcompany.com. And finally, Boku Superfoods, the purest, most potent, and delicious certified organic, kosher, and vegan superfood blends on the planet. 
Boku Superfood is changing the game for thousands of people in 65 countries with their incredible formulated powers that you just add any liquid to and make the healthiest drinks or smoothies in the world. Just go to BokuSuperfood.com. That's B-O-K-U superfood.com. Look for the three-pack trial. Enter the promo code Barry at checkout. Just pay a minimal shipping fee and get a full week's supply of Boku Superfood for free. I guarantee you'll look and feel better and understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. And here's a preview of the next very special episode. Andy Dick. Don't give up. Don't listen to other people. Everyone else is going to shit on you. If there's one person out there that says, I like what you're doing, hang on to that. There was, for every one person that liked what I was doing, there was 20 people saying, give it up, dude. So don't listen to those people. Listen to your heart. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money, drive that fancy car. All the people love you, cause you're going far. Life is for the dreamers, they have. It's never quite over Till it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley A fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.